Good morning, everybody. Um, so I don't know whether anybody has seen the film The Truman Show. It came out in 1988. Put your hand up if you've seen it. Uh, quite a few people. So um, without giving any kind of uh, spoilers, I'll uh, let you know kind of what, uh, what uh, happens. Uh, so um, rather like today, uh, uh, this is about a, a, a young man who uh, lives his life literally in front of a camera. So he gets born in this big TV studio and unbeknown to him, the people who he thinks are his friends and his family and his mum and his dad uh, are actually just actors which come onto this, uh, into this uh, studio and his life is beamed all around the world and uh, he uh, eventually sort of works out what's going on and um, tries to escape. So uh, cl clearly that's a fictional um, story but um, in many ways it seems sort of quite prophetic this was about 20, uh, 20 odd years ago as to the kind of society we have today of the 21st century of reality TV of people living their lives in the limelight ordinary people uh, rising to, to, to fame and stardom through um, being on TV or lately you know having their own YouTube channels and projecting their image um, to the world. But if we go back 2,000 years uh, to a day when there were no cameras, there was no TV, um, but people still liked to put on a show. And uh, this is exactly the kind of society that um, Jesus is talking to now. So we now got a I think this is going to work quite well with my talk, actually, the fact that the, the camera doesn't quite work. Uh, we'll, come, we'll, come back, we'll come to back to this in a, in a minute, all right? Uh, but first, let's, 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 let's go to, uh, to uh, uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't have any of these problems. Um, but um, he um, saw that people were putting on a show. Now, we could take what Jesus says at, at face value. So he says... Uh, be careful not to do your act of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. So one of the roles that I have in this church is the giving coordinator. Okay, so I uh, help to uh, coordinate the people who give regularly to the church and... Uh, so if, that, if that's something that you're interested in doing and you want to talk about regular giving to the church, please do, uh, please do come and, and speak to me. But the way we do it and the way, reason we have a giving coordinator is that people's giving should be, uh, should be secret, should be uh, confidential, and it's, nobody in the church should be treated better or worse depending on how much they give or whether they give at all. Okay? And that's, that's kind of how we do it. So uh, I wonder if we were to say that uh, next week that everybody who comes into the church is going to be asked to, to stand up and announce exactly how much they give to the church and announce exactly how much they give to all other charities, preferably with uh, bring a trumpet and let, play a little bit of a trumpet sound before you make the announcement. Uh, I, I reckon that probably nobody would turn up because that's not really very British, is it? It's not really... <laughs> It's not really the way we do things. So I think we can give ourselves a big tick. We don't announce our giving in front of others, do we? 
What about prayer? So, um, has anybody ever gone up to the top of uh, Fargate and, and in, the, in your loudest voice started praying in front of everyone else? Well, maybe I've been tempted to do that, but when I see what Jesus is saying, he's saying, do not do that on the street corner. Uh, okay, so I, I won't then. So I can give myself a big tick there for not praying at the top of Fargate. And um, I realise that uh, I do look a little bit dishevelled this morning, but I can assure you that's because I haven't had a haircut for uh, uh, a long time, not because I'm trying to persuade you that I am fasting, okay? So again, I can give myself another big tick. And, uh, you know, we seem to, at face value, be quite good at following these particular commands of Jesus. But of course, we've really missed the point. And to show that further, let's think about the historical context. So uh, the, the Jewish culture in um, the Pal Palestine of Jesus' time, of the first century, uh, was a very religious society. In fact, we could say that being religious was, was cool back in those days. Um, to, um, to be religious, to pray, to show that you were devout, to show that you uh, make it look as if you had favour of God and you were liked by God, uh, that was the way to gain respect. That was the way to gain approval by others. And so that's the sort of thing that Jesus was speaking to at that time. Now it's important to remember that Jesus wasn't saying that people shouldn't give or shouldn't uh, pray or shouldn't fast. In fact, quite the reverse. He was uh, saying that they were doing the right thing by doing that because he says, um, uh, uh, when you pray, not if you pray, or when you give, not if you give. And uh, so he wanted them to continue doing that, but do it for the right reasons. Now think about our society today. Now we could probably say that being religious is not so cool these days, but there are many other things that uh, our society, our peers, seem to respect. Being clever. We seem to give a lot of respect to scientists and academics. Being creative. We like our musicians, our artists, our, um, our, our poets. Um, being successful. We look up to those that have been successful in everything that they're doing. And of course, image, body image, the clothes that we wear, how we present ourselves in public. All of these things uh, are what we can use to gain respect and approval from others. So what word does Jesus use to describe this kind of behaviour? Well, he doesn't really pack his punches. So when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, clearly he was using the, the language of the day, which was Aramaic. But when Matthew translated these words, into Greek for a wider audience, he used the Greek word hypocrite to describe what Jesus is calling this kind of behavior. What does the word hypocrite mean? Well, it literally means actor. It means somebody who is pretended to be something that they are not. Rather like the people in the Truman Show who were pretending to be the friends and family of Truman, but actually they were completely deceiving him because they were, were pretending to be something that they really were not. Now, it's not too hard to see hypocrisy 
in action today. We only have to look at, uh, at politics. Politics is all about public image. That is what wins popularity and that is what wins votes. But when what is done in private is exposed, this can really affect us. So even recently there's been these uh, um, revelations of, of text messages which have gone between ministers and business people. And these were things that the politicians didn't want us to know, okay? Because it, uh, it kind of spoils the public image and, uh, and makes, us, uh, makes us question what is really true. And so when what's in, uh, done in private or said in private is exposed, we begin to think, well, what else are they hiding from us? And we feel deceived. But let's not deceive ourselves and think, oh, it's only those people up there in positions of power that are vulnerable to this kind of hypocrisy. Let's now think about ourselves. And let's think about um, our church life. Now, as you know, over these uh, uh, past uh, year and, and more, uh, when we've been in lockdown, we've been, doing these, uh, we've been doing these live streams, and I've been involved in that. But it's very easy to think of that, this as uh, putting on a show. Um, and, of course, that's not what it's all about. And the fact that we have these technical issues from time to time, now we can cue the camera to play up, but it's, it's looking all right now. Um, I think that that could be useful because that can remind us that it's not about how we present ourselves. It's not how, about how good we look that really matters. It's about the heart of what we're doing. And so those of us who, who, who sit in front of the camera, who, uh, who, who lead services, who preach, or who are involved in technical support or leading worship, we need to always remember that we are not putting on a show. We are not um, trying to impress anybody. This is not about trying to uh, uh, show the vine in a good light compared to other churches. But actually it's about uh, facilitating a worshipping community together. And when you come to church or when you um, join the Zoom afterwards, do you put on your happy face? Do you put on your I'm all right, I'm doing fine kind of face for the cameras and for, and for each other, even though things may not be going on very well behind the scenes. And I think if Jesus was talking to us today, was giving this sermon to us today, I, I think he would mention social media. So I'm very much of the Facebook and Twitter generation. Those of you who are younger and cooler than me will be using Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. Um, but this clearly is a tool that can be used for good. I think Jesus would probably use social media if he was around today in order to communicate his message and to reach other people. But it is also very much a tool that can be used to project a public image. It's, to, it's projecting what we want other people to see. And indeed, all these different social media platforms um, are almost designed to help us put on different masks, depending on who the audience is. So we want to be professional and ambitious on LinkedIn. We want to be clever and relevant on Twitter. We want to be happy and successful on Facebook. And we want to be creative and interesting on, on YouTube and TikTok. So there are good reasons to be on social media, but if it's all about how many likes you get, how many comments you get, how many retweets you get, then perhaps it's time to take a break from it.
So why do we do this? Why do we seek approval to other, for others? We all, we all do this. And Jesus says it's because we get a reward from it. So um, a lot of research suggests, and our own experience suggests, that we care about how other people see us, how we feel we're perceived from others. It gives us a little bit of a, a buzz when we get approval from others. So we do get a reward from it, but the fact is this reward is very fleeting. It is temporary. People have very limited attention spans. So as soon as somebody has, has liked your post on Facebook, they're already scrolling down and they've forgotten about it. So to place your own happiness on, on that kind of approval uh, is going to be, um, is not going to really be very sustainable. It's almost like being on a treadmill of keeping trying, trying, putting more stuff out there uh, in order to get the approval of others and never really uh, being satisfied. So what does Jesus say about this? Well, he says that your father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. Our father has an unlimited attention span. He sees everything. Now that is a very scary thought when you think about it, but it's also a massively reassuring thought. Elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus talks about uh, the fact that his father uh, cares about the birds of the air and uh, the plants and the flowers in the field. So think about the plants that you grow in your garden. Think about the birds that you hear in the trees and 90% of the time we, we don't even notice that when we're out on our walk and yet every one of those uh, individual creatures is known and seen and loved by God. He doesn't just care about them as a species, he, care about, he cares about each individual one and that is an amazing thought and so if he cares about every single plant and every single bird, how much more will he care about us who are made in his image and are able to also know him and to love him in return. So he sees everything. But what about this idea of a reward? Now we might think, well, do we need a reward at all? Should we be doing our acts of righteousness for a reward? Surely we, sh we shouldn't need that. But I think that is quite a naive thing to say because actually we all need a reason and a motivation to do what we do. Otherwise, we'll just try it for a while and then give up if we're not getting anything out of it, okay? So we do need to be getting something out of it. It's not wrong to look for a reward. Now, before when I looked at this, I assumed that when Jesus said, um, your father will reward you, he was talking about the afterlife. He was talking about something that's gonna come when we have a new heaven and a new earth sometime in the future in our resurrected bodies. And as if that maybe one day there'll be uh, a big award ceremony where we'll all get together and everything that we've done in our life will, will, be, um, will, be, re will be rewarded. And maybe that, will, maybe that will happen. And I think if it does happen, I reckon the people that will be coming to the front to get awards will be people we've never heard of. These will be people that, who have... Um, never written a book, they've never had a blog, 
They've uh, never had a big Twitter following, probably never preached a sermon, certainly never been a bishop or an archbishop. Those are people who have had not had this public profile in their life, but through faithful prayer and faithful acts of righteousness, done in secret, done in private, not noticed by others, those were the people who I think will get that recognition in heaven. However, I don't think that Jesus is really talking about the afterlife here. Um, he makes it very clear in the Sermon on the Mount and all his teachings that the kingdom of heaven is something for the future, but it's something that's also about what's happening now. Okay? And I think his uh, reward he's talking about is for the here and now too. It's not something we need to wait for. So um, some of you might know that in my day job, I'm a, a teacher at the university. And one of the topics that I've been talking to my students about uh, this term is altruism. Altruism means doing good to others. But uh, one of the things we've been looking at is uh, why do people do good to others? What is the reason and motivation behind it? And this can be very revealing because there are different types of altruism. There is what we call reciprocal altruism, which is we do good to others because that way they will then do good to us in return. So that is a very kind of selfish form of uh, altruism, where actually it's all about getting something back. Or we might engage in what's called warm glow altruism. So it's not so much about getting something back, but it's about the feeling of satisfaction and pride inside that we have done something good. And uh, in fact, Jesus talks about this because he doesn't just say, don't give uh, in front of others, but he says in verse three, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So actually, even this uh, giving motivated by a sense of sort of self-satisfaction and pride and, uh, and feeling good about yourself, um, even if you don't share it with others, is not the reward, is not the motivation that Jesus is asking for. That is also hypocritical. And finally, we have what's called pure altruism. And that is about caring about the other person. So it is about the person you help. It is their welfare, their well-being that you really care about. It's not about me, it's about them. It doesn't even matter that I'm the one who met that need, as long as that need is met. And so that is the reward. And really what we're talking about here is, is love, okay? So when we love others, we, we don't just um, do good towards them, but we actually care about their well-being. We care about the things that matter to them. And when we have love, that is very rewarding when we see other people um, experiencing love and experiencing the help that they need. And what about prayer? Well, indeed, uh, Jesus here, here introduces us to the, to the Lord's Prayer, and that is a whole sermon and a whole sermon series in itself, which I'm not going to go into today, apart from to, as Jill did earlier, to... Um, point you towards the prayer course which we looked at Lent last year uh, by, by Pete Gregg. So um, I'd certainly, I think that maybe there's a, there's a link to it down here in the description. Um, and um, so please do, 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 do go there and that's a great way to 
understand what prayer really is and how prayer can be a meaningful and rewarding experience in itself and not just as a way to look good in front of other people. So, what is it that really matters? Well, it's what you do when the camera is turned off and when the doors are closed. It's how you treat your family um, behind closed doors. It's those small acts of kindness that may not be recognised. You may not even get thanked for it. And of course, it's, that inner it's your inner thoughts and that ongoing conversation with your father that really matters and that really uh, makes you whole. A couple of weeks ago, um, uh, earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus said that we should be salt and light, but if the salt loses its saltiness, then how can it be made salty again? So what he's talking about here is that you need to get your private life right and then your public life will take care of itself. So we do need to be out there talking to people um, and uh, spreading salt and light in the world. But we can't do that without getting our inner life right first. So I'm going to just finish with a question to reflect on. So if like in the Truman Show, the whole world could see everything that you do, the whole world could see everything in your life. What would they see and how would this change how you live?